Good morning, Sun Valley Church. Welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I'm Jeremy Pinch, and in the room today, I have both Pastor John and Pastor Rick with me. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at uh, the news of the day, I guess. Uh, and we're going we're gonna to walk through some of the things that have been taking place over the past few weeks uh, and, and help us to, or I'm going to have these guys help us think biblically uh, about what's, what's going on in our world. Uh, so, John, Rick, it's, it's good to see you guys this morning. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Yeah. You want us to say it's good to see you too, Jer? Well, is that what you're kind of, you know, are you fishing? Yeah, I am. <laughs> okay. I always am. So good to see you, Jer. <laughs> it's, it's always, always good, good to see Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. He's so good to see. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to see you guys. How was, uh, we'll start with this. We didn't have a podcast last week because it was kind of a crazy week here in the office um, and a short week. But how was, how was your guys' Thanksgivings? We gave much thanks. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad. Did you give thanks for me? I don't recall that specifically, <laughs> but I am thankful for you, okay. Jeremy. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to see you, and I'm thankful for you. <laughs> Thank you. It was a, so to contrast this year's Thanksgiving with last year's, Jen was in bed in pain um, oh, with yeah. COVID right. last Thanksgiving, and which was just right after her birthday. And she had been, you know, in the hospital getting some IV fluids that, that day um, on, on her birthday. And so I had to do Thanksgiving, hopefully for the last time and certainly for the first time by myself. <laughs> and um, so this year with her up and around making up for last year, everybody was thankful. Yeah. And it was a good meal. Yeah. <laughs> and Jen's parents came up and it was a great time. Good. Good. That's great. Yeah. I remember, I remember that taking place on her birthday last year. Yeah. I did not do a turkey because that I knew that was above even my highest aspirations. And so it was a Costco ham. <clears throat> but all the other stuff was, you know, boxed from a box mostly and it <laughs> worked out. Yeah. So I've got photo evidence, but yeah, yeah this, no one this starved, year was really good. Right. You were fine. Yeah. Kids survived. Yep. They did. No food poisoning. Not to my recollection. <laughs> Though they were strangely sick for three days after. <laughs> it was just the Rona. <laughs> Coincidence. Yeah. Coincidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quarantine. Yes. Okay, well, good. I'm glad you guys had a good Thanksgiving. Right. Um, How about you, Jerry? You you didn't answer the question. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? I mean Yeah. You had some you had some crazies around your table. How'd that go? Oh yeah. It was Oh, it I was want to crazy. hear about that. Yeah. Um it was just it was a lot. There was a lot going on. It was it was busy. We went from my parents' house to Katie's parents' house, um, and so it was a lot of food in you know a short amount of time. So yeah, uh, any no, napping? Actually, no. Every Thanksgiving I get a nap in. This year I uh, I didn't. I didn't get a nap in. So yeah. I'm gonna blame Katie on that one. But um, why? Why do? You, why would you blame her? I don't know. I just that's. Well, it's good to have something to blame, yeah. right? For your, <laughs> yeah. your it's kind of like Adam and shortness. Eve in the garden, right? It's like, you know, this woman you just, gave me. Yeah, you just keep blaming people down the line. So, <laughs> got to blame somebody. Yeah. That's so. a great pattern. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for a really close and united marriage. I think that's 
that's the book. You know, we always talk about the futility of writing books that are redundant, Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen a biblical theology of blame shifting yet. Like maybe that's the one I'll do. Yeah. You should do that one. Speaking from personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) I knew a guy. (laughs) He blamed his wife. (laughs) He did a lot more podcasts and he went home less. No, it was good. It was we had a good and yet time. Yeah, his marriage lasted longer than most. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> oh, captivity. Oh. <laughs> well, um, there's been a lot coming out of the news these days, as you guys are are well aware. Um, there's the Waukesha, right? Waukesha. 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 John Waukesha. told me that before. Yeah, he did, and I already forgot it. The, Is, that's the Hebrew. That's the that's the Hebrew. Yeah. So we had the we had the Waukesha massacre uh, a few weeks back. Uh, we have now. The, I thought it was an accident. Well, that's what like some a car people accident. NPR SUV <sighs> malfunction. Oh. Yes, and then we have the Omicron variant of COVID. Uh, everybody's up in arms about that one. Um, and then this is this is the latest one that, that threw me for a loop this morning. We have reproducing robots these days. Have you heard about that, John? No, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> I'm just going to skip right over that one. <laughs> yes, this is true. Uh, they're known as Xenobots, literally reproducing robots. Oh, this I thought it was, true. they were called Keanu Reeves. They are, yeah. No, look it up, John, after this. Zeno robots or Zenobots. And to conclude our podcast. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> there uh, is a new Matrix movie coming out. Yeah, there is. But the but the last few weeks have been centered around um Kyle Rittenhouse and the non guilty verdict that took place in Kenosha. Um why why is that whole uh, trial with, with Rittenhouse a big deal and, and the non non guilty verdict? Why is that why is that such a big deal? Uh, um, a few reasons, and I think it's important that we just, you know, we talk about why is it important for us as Christians yeah. that 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 happened. And a lot of people will look at that and go, well, that's just political. Well, it's not just political. Um, when we open the pages of Scripture and, and we see our confession of faith that Jesus Christ is Lord, um, when you look at that in context, that was a that was political treason mm-hmm. to, to confess that, and yet that was... That is the basic Christian's profession of faith. Um, and be, because, and so with Kyle Rittenhouse, we're talking about the justice system. And that wasn't something that any politician invented. Justice is from God. Um, he is the one who is just, which is why the gospel is so good, because justice requires that each of us um, be given eternal punishment Mm. for our sins and christ stepped in and took the sentence of justice for us and that's what propitiation is he took the full justice of god's wrath on our sins on himself and so and so it's just that 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 we are forgiven that we so it's just that we're forgiven Mm -hmm. and and that's what makes the gospel really good news it's a justice matter as much as it is a matter of mercy Mm. and so when we're looking at something that happens um in a, a civic civil justice context, like the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, situation, um, there's a very theological base to it. Uh, justice justice systems have to be, or they, they're meant to be, a reflection of the character of God applied to the life of man hmm. in a society. And so uh, with Kyle Rittenhouse, looking at the evidence and, and him having a not guilty verdict, um, 
what ought to have happened, and, and I personally do believe happened, was under um, the under the laws of the United States and the state of Wisconsin. Um, I think was Rittenhouse in Wisconsin. Mm, um, that's I, where it happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he was found that to have been defending himself. The video evidence bears that out, and the implications for that are so huge. Also, because of um, the Second Amendment and the right of an image bearer of God to defend themselves and innocent people from violent bodily harm from an evildoer. Mm. And so if that case had gone a different way, if the—and again, we want to be concerned with what actually happened and what does justice look like, not what do we want to have happened. Um, but in this case, Kyle being, in, you know, having defended himself justly, if that if he had been found to have been guilty, the implications of that for lawful um, self-defense with a firearm, which is, um, I, I would argue, is also a matter of theological importance. Um, be, for sorry, there's a lot going into this, but I'm not going to go into sure, that. Sure, um, it would have it would have been a blow, I believe, to our civic life in a way that would allow for the proliferation of evil Hmm. in a much greater degree because where people are not permitted to lawfully and defend themselves and other innocent people from imminent harm um evil people you know they go from bad to worse Hmm. Hmm. i've got two things to say one his wisdom wasn't on trial right was it wise for him to show up in Kenosha with a semi-automatic weapon? Probably not. But that's not the issue, mm. you know, thankfully. Um, secondly, and I asked this question of Rick, what do we do with the response, the, the, the uh, I think, massive response, negative response to the verdict that we're reading all over the, the papers? How do we think of that kind of politically charged response to the Rittenhouse verdict? I think with fear and trembling, um, because I think that's a signpost of a much bigger problem um, at the root of our civic life. And what I mean by that is is that this should never have been politicized. Um, this, you know, a case of self-defense becomes political when... Uh, two sides of a society are so uh, at odds with each other that they're basically on the brink of war, like mm-hmm. where you can't even look at video evidence and come to a conclusion that, yeah, we may not like the verdict, but this is just, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think I think it shows that the rifts run a lot deeper than they have. And it, I mean, certainly at any point in my lifetime, but uh, I'm afraid that that means that um, ideology quickly trumps facts. Hmm. And when that happens, the pursuit of justice becomes a lot more murky, hmm. and certainly the pursuit of peace. And, and, and I guess where I'm, where I'm wanting to get into is, how does that affect our Christian life? How does that, how does that response to this verdict, which we, I think, agree with the verdict here in this room, uh, we're in the minority, it sounds like. Maybe we're not, but 
it sounds like we're in the minority. What does that, how does that affect our Christian life, our Christian thinking, our um, Christian conversation with those around us? How do we, how do we engage from a biblical perspective those, and it seems there are many, who would disagree with that verdict? You understand what I'm asking? Um, sort of. I'm trying to think of like, can you give me a scenario? So someone, what what would somebody like a coworker, on... not here, sure. but a coworker someplace in sure. Yakima, who is a liberal, um, who who thinks that this was a, a a major slap in the face to to true justice. Um, how do you dis- how, how do you turn that conversation into an important biblical conversation, an important Christian conversation? Oh, I think the first step is going to be certainly to try to un- to ask good questions, right? Because they're they obviously have a reason behind their perspective. So wanting to be able to understand that mm-hmm. and. Lord willing, in the context of them explaining that, there's probably going to be a foothold somewhere about, you know, the word justice is going to come up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an obvious way that you can take a conversation and ask questions about where did they get that idea of justice? Where is justice coming from? Where's, where's the origin? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think that's one way. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably somebody, if if they find out that you're on a different side than them, there's an automatic wall that goes up. Um, kind of a, a sense of let's get into this or in a prepping to try to defeat you in an argument. But that's where listening well comes in and, and is such an important part of it because ultimately in those kind of conversations, it's, it's, it's most, um, it kind of takes away those roadblocks if you can articulate to them mm. in a way that they would agree with their perspective. Mm. So that when you disagree with it or turn the conversation toward something else, they're already going to be more receptive because they feel heard. Mm. And that's just a human reality. Mm. Um, and I think so. Those are just a couple thoughts. Yeah. And I, I, I think that these uh, um, news, news hot buttons that you mentioned, yeah. Jeremy, are, are great opportunities to engage people with gospel truths, gospel concepts. Um, Obviously, the justice of God, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, you could take that to a a much more basic level. You know, the Rittenhouse thing is just a, is is just an opening. Mm -hmm. The, the conversation about justice and and what we truly deserve as human beings uh, is a significantly more fundamental question, right? Uh, even if we disagree about Rittenhouse, do we really disagree with one another that we are each guilty before mm-hmm. God for our own sin, our own behavior? And if if Rittenhouse is guilty or not guilty, if you know there was an abdication of justice from the jury, uh, that that's a, that's a starting place, I think, for a gospel conversation. Mm-hmm. That I think we need to be ready yeah. to engage as contemporary Christians. Yeah. It's kind of like, always be prepared to give an answer. Yeah. It's kind of like Paul in the Areopagus, right? Yeah. He uses the the statue to the unknown God and he, he quotes their poets back to him. Sure. And and there's those kind of opportunities are are popping up all around us, mm-hmm. not just with 
these these things like uh, reproducing robots. Thank you very much. Uh, you know, and that truly that you could turn that to a gospel conversation pretty easily. Right. Um, so I think we need to be ready for yeah. these kind of things. Yeah. You know, including how can we use the COVID crisis to have a gospel conversation with people? We can, mm-hmm. but we're so I think. Um, saturated with our political views and our opinions about either one side or the other, as Christians, we miss opportunities because we're determined to argue our opinion. Yeah, I think crises, and there's just a whole lot of them right now, <laughs> they, they lend themselves to that. Um, I was thinking about Jesus when he was walking along the road, um, and there were some, it says in Luke 13, who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So there was, that's a crisis, right? Um, and they wanted to know, Jesus, what's your take on this current event? And he answered them, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. So mm-hmm. there's a there's a mass casualty event. Mm-hmm. You know, in this case, it wasn't man-made, but his tower fell. And Jesus turns that to, you think about your eternity. I mean, these, these guys are facing theirs right now. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. And so we, he doesn't engage the political conversation. He actually takes it to the point, the pertinent point. Mm-hmm, right. And so I was thinking about, I went out to lunch a month and a half or so ago with a guy down to Panera. And, you know, we go in and go up to the counter and it's hard to hear through the plexiglass and the mask and all that, that stuff. And, but we just cheerfully, just nor in what, to me was a very normal way of ordering food. Um, talked to this gal behind the counter and later during our meal, she came up and offered us a free cookie because she said, you guys are the kindest people I've met today. Hmm. And just thank you. And I missed, I missed the opportunity or I let it pass. You know, that would have been a perfect way to say, Hey, here's, there's a reason for that. You were too excited about the cookie. I, I was, but, but I don't want to talk about that. The point is, j- just being just the normal Christian life, Peter assumes is going to present opportunity. Yeah. So he says, be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you. Yeah. Hope in times like this is less common. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. But for us, it shouldn't be. Yeah. What kind of cookie was it? Chocolate chip. I think it was yeah. a lemon. A, a lemon. <laughs> Either one would work. <laughs> uh, you know, it, we just obviously celebrated Thanksgiving last weekend, or last week. Um, but with all the craziness that's taking place in the world around us, it's it's kind of hard to be thankful. Um, but we're commanded by by Paul, by God, really, in First in Thessalonians five eighteen, that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. What does that look like? What does it mean to give thanks in all circumstances in light of the massacre in Waukesha, um, the riots that are taking place across the country, the mass looting that's happening in the cities? You know, what, is, what does it mean to give thanks in all circumstances? Well, I think that, that we need to be careful that we're not giving thanks for uh, sinful activity in and of itself. We're, we're in the Waukesha thing, in the others that we've already discussed this morning in this podcast, 
Uh, we're giving thanks to a God who is providentially over those things, mm-hmm. right? It, and we don't have to, like, uh, produce uh, insincere or false things to be thankful for. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's generally something that I can truly be thankful for more than anything else that we have a loving, sovereign God over all events who cares about our circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you think through the, the catastrophe of the COVID pandemic, can you imagine our position if we didn't know the God of these things, right. the sovereign God who's over them? And so we can, we can genuinely give thanks for these kind of things just if you think about the providence of God. Mm. What is, what is um, being produced? What opportunities are being had mm. because of this? Mm. How many people are coming to faith because of this crisis or that crisis? Or, you know, how many... It's just, it's just there's a lot to be thankful for. Mm. Instead of just thinking, you know, well, I'm just thankful it didn't happen to me. I'm glad I wasn't in that parade. I, like, yeah. you know, no, that's yeah. certainly you can be thankful for that, and that's fine. But there's there's much greater things in view that I think that we can give glory to God for and be thankful for. Yeah, um, yeah that, that would be my response. Yeah. And I think everything comes, we have to remember the ultimate um, which is, I think, a point that John's made a few times already. Um, and that is that even even with everything that's going on, it's far better than we deserve as a nation. Um, and and I don't say that lightly. Like, I'm not, tri- I'm not trivializing the true terror. I watched the video of what happened in Waukesha. Now, what if I was there and it was my daughter, mm. right, who got run over? Mm. Um, that's... That is un- unimaginable um, to me, and in the midst of the unimaginable, does that do anything to alter the faithfulness of God, or His goodness, or His mercy to me, um, or to my daughter? No, it doesn't. And that's what I, those are things I call when I'm counseling. I call them anchor truths. Um, those are the anchors for our soul that help us to not get washed away in the tides of a storm. Because if we didn't have those things that we knew were true, even when everything in our emotional life was just in utter chaos and try and would, you know, would sweep us away, then we wouldn't have anything. And so we can look at that. And when I, when we look at our national life and get upset as we should, because things are upsetting and dishonoring to God, um, yet we can sleep at night and praise him, all along the way, um, because it was in the midst of much more chaos than we're facing now that Jeremiah said, great is your faithfulness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You know, we live, we live in a, uh, swipe up culture, you know, with, with our phones, we can <laughs> just, you know, swipe up to the, the next news, you know, feed or whatever. And it, for me personally, that's, that's something that's easy to do is you just read the headlines and you kind of swipe up and, and go to the next thing uh, without ever stopping and thinking about what's, what actually just happened. Mm-hmm, you know, right. innocent, innocent lines were just taken. And, and so often, personally, it's, it's you know, how, how much do I spend actually praying for those people? 
Um, and I think that's easy for us to, to, to lose in this time is, is, oh, that's really bad. I'm thankful it didn't happen in Yakima uh, or to my family uh, without ever lifting them up in, in mm. prayer. That's a good uh, point. Well, yeah, and thinking about the Waukesha thing, for example, to, I think to um, emphasize your point, what if we were ministers at a church in Waukesha yeah. and one or two of those parade goers who died were from our church? Mm. This would be a completely different conversation. Not yeah. not the not the result, not the bottom yeah. line, right? But the conversation would be different, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it would be different. Yeah, um, these would be our friends. This would be a time of deep mourning and you know sadness and tears and and I, I know that it, I know, <laughs> there's that's the case with any any crisis, right? I mean, there's the, what we're talking about here is just a, a really a snippet of a experience, human experience on the planet during that same time period, during the, the, the time frame that Waukesha happened, that Rittenhouse thing happened, that all these things that we've mentioned this morning happened, much graver things have happened in East Africa, mm-hmm. much more grave. Mm-hmm. And Christians endured those things there and we rarely get to interact with it because we not, not, we don't know ninety five percent of it. So we we live in a fallen world, right? Is what is what we're talking about, right? And we have an answer, um, whether we're on the ground and in the moment, or sitting here comfortably in this podcast room. Mm. Um, the answer, bottom line, doesn't change. It's just how we interact with those things mm. that I think is important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, while you were talking about, you know, the tragedy that happened in Waukesha or East Africa, I was thinking that eight minutes from here on Titan, um, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, last time I checked, um, babies are being murdered, right, at Planned Parenthood. Mm-hmm. That's happening right here, eight minutes from us. Regularly. Regularly. And there's no, what's interesting when you go by Planned Parenthood is there's no, there's no windows in that building. And that's, I think, a very, they did it intentionally, obviously, um, but spiritually, there's a, peril, there's a parable of that. Mm-hmm. Um, darkness, darkness is literal and spiritual, mm-hmm. and where spiritual darkness is and depravity is flourishing, the light, they don't like to let light in, unless it's the artificial light of their own making, right? And so we, you know, knowing that we are children of the light, that we have the light of life dwelling in us, not because of anything we've done, mm-hmm. but because of the free mercy and grace of God who illuminated our hearts with new birth. That's the message of hope that ultimately is the answer to every kind of darkness and totally puts every artificial light that people come up with. Just it, it And that's God's ultimate solution, right? This, to our chaos, yes, worldwide chaos, yep. is the light of Christ right? who is in us. Yeah. yeah, and that and that's why in every conversation that's political, like it, it, we shouldn't dichotomize. We shouldn't say, "Well, we don't want to be political, but we do want to be gospel centered." No, we we want to talk about politics because we're gospel centered. We want to talk about everything that people are going through because they're all of them made in God's image, and all of what we experience in life is significant and only answered 
in the gospel, mm-hmm. which is why we shouldn't actually, the gospel needs to be the controlling center of everything. Well, I think that's an important point, Rick, because I think when you say we ought to talk about politics, mm-hmm. I think the majority of people that are hearing us, even in our church, don't know what you mean. Yeah. I think they think they, you're, they're hearing you say, we need to argue about our position, political positions. Yeah, and that's not what that I'm saying. That is not what we're saying. Right. To be clear. Right. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that where the church, where Christians in in this day and age often err is to dichotomize because everything in our culture comes to us in compartments. But what we need is a robust understanding of the lordship of Jesus in everything. Yeah. So what you're saying is is the we have the gospel over here, and then Paul we separate the two. But what we're what you're getting at is no the gospel we, we put our gospel glasses on and it permeates how we view everything right yeah and so just as an illustration before my grandma took her life she um, the year before she accidentally sent included me on a mass email she sent out about a political position that I found abhorrent so I wrote her back and explained why and she said well I don't want to talk about that I don't want to talk about politics with you or religion. I said, well, Grandma, I love you, and that's why I want to talk about that, because these are important things. And ultimately, if your hope is here, um, now I think I'm right and you're wrong, but listen, don't miss this fact, that you're facing judgment Mm. unless you turn to Jesus Christ. Mm. And she shut me down so hard, and that was the last time I ever got to share the gospel with her, and then she took her life. Mm. And that was a gospel opportunity presented through the vehicle of an important thing, Mm. right? Our civic life. But we can't miss that Jesus has to be at the center of all of that. Well, Paul talks about that to the Colossians, you know, who are struggling with some philosophical things. Yeah. Um, He says in chapter two, verse eight, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human human tradition, according to the animal spirits of the world. So that's what we're talking about, right? The philosophy, the the politics, uh, those things that are trying to captivate mankind today he says don't be captive by that but be captive to christ Mm -hmm. and so there's that looking through the lens of christ at our world right that paul wanted to make sure the colossians were were embracing that's what it was about and i think that's what you're saying yeah that's exactly it because what is what is one of these what is one of our christmas verses actually we have it hanging in the lobby during advent right now um he the prince, the prince of peace is, has come to us, right? And the government shall be upon his shoulders, and it will, its increase will have no end. He, he is, one of his titles is king of what? Kings. King of kings. Now, would we include presidents in that? King of presidents, king of representatives, king of fill in the blank. Absolutely. That's, that's Abraham Kuyper, right? Yeah. There's not one square inch, and that would include all the people on those square inches, um, <laughs> where Jesus doesn't reign and say, this is mine. And that's the hope we can offer to people when they're despairing at the facts yeah. of life. Right? We're all looking at the same I facts. Think what you're, I think what I'm hearing you say, Rick, is that we, we shouldn't shy away from politics or medicine or any of these controversial subjects that are facing us today. But we need to have the lens of Christ that's it. as we view them and yep. discuss them. Yeah. That's it. Because yeah. what happens in the New Jerusalem? Exactly. The nations bring their glories in. Mm-hmm. That means Jesus is the king of all those glories. Yep. And that's actually just, there's so much hope in that. Yeah. I just find such encouragement. Yeah. 
So, so how does how does the lens of Christ fit into this next item? Okay, so there's there's rumors and reports coming out of China um, that say basically that they're ready for or they are close to being ready for another global war, right? We've heard things like they have hypersonic missiles, uh, they have the world's largest navy, things in Taiwan are escalating, um, and that's that's pretty scary to think about. Um, I mean, this, if, if another war begins, especially with China, it's going to be cataclysmic. Um, so how do we, if we have, if we're thinking through this, this lens of Christ, how do we, how do we think Christianly about rumors, these reports, these, these threats and the possibilities of another war? Well, I think we fight fear, right? First of all, because we have the God of Kings, which like we just mentioned, who sets up kingdoms and tears down kingdoms. Mm who changes the hearts of kings like rivers of water. He, he, he directs. He, he's the one who establishes the borders. And so nothing is outside of the sovereign and loving control of the God of the universe. So we, we can't hear those kind of things and default to fear. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. I mean, that's a default. And so we got to fight that. we we got to make sure that we believe what the Bible says about God and who's in charge of world events, which is God. And so I think that's the first step that we, we've got to fight fear and not, and not sit here and contemplate our way through, you know, what's going to happen if USA because becomes communist China, how are we going to No, that's, that's the wrong way to go. I think we need to fight that and say, well, God sets up and God tears down. I mean, I, I, I try to put myself in the shoes of the first century Christians who were living under Nero. Hmm. It's the same kind of fear factor, mm-hmm. I think, that they were dealing with. And all the New Testament writers were clear on that event or those yeah. events. And I think that's how we need to approach these events, um, whether it be the threats from China, the threats from the virus, you know, the threats from uh, differing political views, all these things need to be, I think, put under the umbrella of the caring, loving sovereignty of God. Yeah. yeah. I think I've heard it said that perfect love casts out fear. Somewhere it says. Somewhere it to says. To quote that. the author of Hebrews. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere. And in, yeah. and Paul told Timothy in in his last letter before he died that we were not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's what that's what we can bring to the table in times like this is a sound mind because we have the mind of God communicated to us in scripture and a confidence knowing that these things have been forecast in latter days. Paul says Mm -hmm. there will be, John says in the final days, there will be, and he lists the very things that you just talked about. All these scary things are going to (laughs) happen. So, and they have happened. Yes. And have been happening. Mm-hmm. And I mean, August, I haven't read it, but in, I should. <laughs> but Augustine wrote his famous City of God um, as a way to help people make sense of the spiritual realities um, before them in light of the fact of the, um, the fall of the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. which was a big deal <laughs> to, to everybody at that time. Mm-hmm. And I just read the other day that China took control of Nigeria's, I think it was Nigeria. Uganda. Uganda's biggest and only airport. Yeah, in Tebe. Because they defaulted on a two point, a, some 20 something million dollar loan from China. Yeah. We're in a trillion dollars 
a trillion as our our country a trillion dollar debt to China. That's a lot more than two hundred twenty million, and whatever. What are you saying? You're starting to scare me, Rick. Well, we were not given a spirit of fear, but a power of love. <laughs> I can't do. We anything. have a lot more airports than yeah. Uganda. So, so we can pray, right? Because God controls everything. We can um, prepare ourselves to take care of our families. We can prepare to serve our neighbors, and you. And we get so caught up in global things that we individually can't change. Mm. But where can we be faithful? in our community, where can we, we be faithful in our families, in teaching our children, uh, you know, uh, how to be faithful. each other. Yeah. You know. If parents would stop worrying about what Congress is doing in mismanaging their money and teach, and if everybody would just teach their children how to be faithful stewards of finances, maybe the next generation would do a better job with the finances. Yeah. Faithfulness starts at home, starts in your community. That's why we have to be focused on being faithful as a local church. Mm. We're not Sun Valley Church of the United States. We're Sun Valley Church, God placed in Yakima. So let's be faithful here and pray to the Lord of the harvest to do his work. Amen. Amen. Well, let's finish with this last last question. We, we obviously entered into the Advent season last, last Sunday. Um with all the chaos that's been taking place, uh, fear obviously has has gripped us all um, in a lot of ways. Um, how could this Advent season help us with these uncertain times that are before us? Well, I think I think the Advent season reminds us that these these times aren't really uncertain. They're only uncertain to us. Hmm. Yeah, right? that's good. That's good. So we have we have a savior. We have a God. This isn't uncertain to him. Yeah. This is plan A that began before the ages that initiated at creation and will conclude when God says so. Mm-hmm. It's not uncertain. Part of the plan is the advent mm-hmm. of God himself to this planet to resolve the chaos that began in the garden, actually before the garden with the fall of Lucifer. And so this isn't, this isn't uncertain to God at all. It's only uncertain to us. People who are finite, limited, but, but we know that the one who came in the form of a baby, all things are certain. Hmm. Read Isaiah 45 through 47. Have I not decreed? Will it not come to pass? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, that's right. I just I'm the only one who struggles with uncertainty. You know, not God, <laughs> right? We're, we're the only ones who used to have that problem. So, I think we trust. Like, like the same thing you just said, Rick. It's it's not. It's it's not a matter of reaction. It's a matter of action. And what are we going to do? How are we going to love each other in the church? How are we going to raise up our children? How are we going to you know, demonstrate faith. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think us. I think that's that's kind of what you've been driving home with the Gospel of Mark. Is I'm sure the first century Jews were kind of feeling the same way. First century Christians, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, these it's pretty uncertain with everything that's kind of happening in the world right now. Yeah. Well, what did the believers in the first century go through? That was just a a cataclysmic end of everything they knew in Jerusalem. 70 AD. Yeah. When you read Josephus' accounts of the Jewish war, 
it was it, it is it is one of the only things I've ever read that actually made me queasy as I was reading it. I have a, a pretty strong stomach for stuff like that, but reading what the Jews did to each other in the walls of Jerusalem as the Romans were coming in, it was just it is disgusting. Mm-hmm. And and the Christians went through that, mm-hmm. and the Christians were faithful in it, and they fled from it, and they you know. But one of the things I was thinking about, John, as you were talking about uncertainty, is how many of our people don't really care about what's going on with China or the national debt. When, when that's fine, but they, what they do care about is the fact that tomorrow they're they're anxious for what you know what their kids going to do or things that they're facing in their family. That they just there there's anxiety is one of the most common things. And you asked about how does Advent answer that? Well, Charles Spurgeon, I, I wrote this down. I've had it for a few years. I read it in one of his Christmas sermons. This is really cool. So you said Jesus came as a baby. This is important. Spurgeon says, Beloved, this is such sweet comfort. He that is God this day was once an infant, so that if my cares are little and even trivial and comparatively infantile, I may go to him, for he was once a child. Hmm. Jesus sanctifies every experience we go through, hmm. and there's nothing too small to bring to him. Well, Hebrews 2, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. We have a faithful high priest. Mm-hmm. Yes, what a, what a wonderful truth. It's a good answer for all of this. Yeah, yeah. What a time to be alive, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive, and what a wonderful Savior we have. Amen. Amen. And church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.